Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. All right, welcome aboard. Another edition of Growing in Grace is about to depart from the tracks. So jump on. The ride is free. And uh, Joel, good to be with you again. It is. It's a free ride. I, I love how... Um, uh, whoa, Audio Adrenaline. They remember they they remade that song, Free Ride. And oh, yeah, that was a 70s song. <laughs> Some people were upset with that. But I... Uh, I totally got what they were doing, and and it's it's true. This this life in Christ, it's a free ride. It it, it really is. There's no strings attached. God doesn't hangle, you know, dangle a, a carrot in front of us to to try to get us to some certain spot, and then you know maybe a, a bait and switch or whatever where he changes things around once we come to him. Like it just seems like so many people think that that's how it works. You know, we we offer this. Uh, good news this gospel we tell them about the good news that christ died for your sins and and uh it's by grace that you could be saved and then when they come into the christian life it's all of a sudden we just change things around and it's no longer free it's all about what you have to do <laughs> and about how how you have to perform and uh, we're here to, to share a different perspective uh, that's for sure to share how it is absolutely free god has provided everything for us and it's good news all the way around yeah, he doesn't dangle carrots, and if I heard you right, uh, there's a new Greek word that you heard for the first time here on Growing in Grace. It's called hangle. Well, see, I was going to so, edit that out, but I I think I'll just keep it in there because I want to listen and find out for sure what I said. I knew you were going to try to edit that out. That's why I said something. <laughs> no way. You're not getting away with it this time, pal. Not this time. All right. Well, just you wait. You re Just you remember, I'm the one that has all the sound bites from the past, including the times <laughs> that you've messed up. That I've Look, edited out, but I've saved. Look, th thanks to the finished work of Christ, my entire life has been edited. It's, oh, listen to that. A lot listen of revelation on that one, huh? Wow. Let's, um, let's just end hey, right there. Uh, go, do you have Galatians 2 handy? Let's Galatians start with that. Because two. we've been talking about, you know, last week we talked about, do we live by a moral code? Do, do Christians try to live by good morals? And we came to the conclusion, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen for it at growingingrace.org. All the programs are archived there, growingingrace.org. We came to the conclusion that, no, we don't live by uh, good Christian morals. We live by the life of Christ in us. We're sort of branching off of that here today. Yeah, branching off of that. <laughs> the tree of life. <laughs> the Branching vine. off the vine. This is a branch <laughs> off that program, which was the vine. Indeedy. Well, yeah, Galatians 2. It's good. I mean, it's so rich. I mean, the book of the whole book of Galatians is rich, and it's it's almost like you know, if if I, we don't want to just rip something right off the page here, but but this little section that we're looking at has has so much in it. Galatians two nineteen through twenty, maybe twenty one. Paul's talking about how we had to, he says, through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. That right there we could spend a lot of time on, and I know we have in the past, and I'm sure we will in the future. The Christian life isn't about living by the law. Some people say God saved us, and he put Christ's life in us so that we could now keep the law. That totally misses the point, because we had to die to the law so that we could live to God. But then anyway, Paul moves on here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And this is what we really wanted to get to. It is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know one translation, I think it's the King James, says I live by the faith of the Son of God. But as, as we look at this, the point that we want to make here, I no longer live. It's not about my morality. It's not about my moral efforts. It's not about my performance before God. If it was about my performance for God, I'd be toast. I can tell you that much. I just know that. I mean, I know my li- my daily life. I, you know, I fall so short of perfection on a daily basis. But the good news is that I don't have to judge my life by those things anymore. I don't have to put this microscope to my life and and try to figure out all the things that I'm doing right and and all the things that I'm doing wrong, because it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that right there is key to the daily living out of, of our lives in Christ, because if it was about us, again, who would stand but God made it completely different for us. As you said last time, Cap, it's, it's a, just a completely different way of thinking. It's a supernatural life. Yeah, when I try to do, my imperfections will shine. Mm-hmm. When I rest in him, then I, I can trust that perfected life that's in me to flow through me because we have been perfected. But it was by what he did, not by what I try to do. Philippians 1.6, picking up in the middle of Paul's salutation to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he, the Lord himself, the Godhead, if you will, he in us, God has begun a good work in you, and he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's the one that has begun the good work. He's the one who is going to work, and he'll be the one who will complete the work in and through you. It's, it's not based on our efforts or how hard we try to live the Christian life. As you said at the end of last week's program, Joel, we can't live the Christian life. That's not a defeatist statement. That's, that's good news. There is one who could live that life that we refer to as the Christian life, and that's Jesus Christ himself. Now, trusting and resting in that life that's in us since we have died. We have died, and so we can trust in that life to flow through us as we rest in Him. And I I think over time, I slowly have just barely begun to learn how to do that, um, at least in bits and pieces, and it's it's exciting when you can begin to do that. Something else, too, Joel, in in John chapter 15, or uh, John chapter 10, rather, the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I I lay my life down for the sheep. Over the years, I've I've heard people... um, you know, in, in Christian religious circles or people going on the mission field or whatever, God bless them. They, they keep talking about how they, they lay their life down for him. They're just so blessed to be able to lay their life down for the one who, you know, died for them. Well, Jesus said, I lay my life down. We don't lay our life down. I don't know where that comes from. I, I know there's some some scriptures for people who don't understand the gospel and they get easily easily mixed into a lot of other scriptures, but it's not about us laying our life down for him. It's the opposite of the gospel when we say that, you know, and I I know people mean well, and I know where they're coming from, but the fact is that it was God, through Jesus Christ, who laid his life down for us, not the other way around. In fact, Peter, a few chapters later, told Jesus, hey, I'm going to, I'll lay my life down for you. And Jesus just turned to him and said, 
will you lay down your life? Question mark. <laughs> then he went on to tell him, hey, you're going to deny me before the cock crows during the night. And, you know, Peter, much like Adam, I think, represented all of us right there. You're going to lay your life down for me? It ain't going to happen. I'm the one here to lay down my life for you. And the important thing to remember here as we enter the Easter season is it was Jesus who really laid it down. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down willingly. Nobody murdered him. He gave his life. Yeah, he gave his life to us and for us. And I, I know it, it's really, it sounds good when a person says, I'm just, I'm going to lay my life down for Christ. I'm, you know, I'm going to do all the things that I, I do for Christ. Um, I, well, there's that one saying that I used to hear, there's only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It sounds, it sounds good. It sounds proper and, and holy and, and righteous, but it's really a person's own righteousness. It's, it's self-righteousness. You know, you boil everything down because, indeed, what could God do with our life? You know, that's a question I've uh, heard asked, and, and I've heard some, some really good stuff about this, that if we offer our life to God, what does he do? What does he—in the depravity that we had before Christ— what did we have to offer God? We didn't have anything to offer him. Oh, you're offering me your life? Well, here. And, and what he does is he, he smashes it and he says, here, I'll offer, I'll give you my life. <laughs> and so that's really what he did. He, we had to die. Our life had to die. And then, we, and then the good news is that we got to get risen again with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're no longer living our life but we're living a life in which we've become partakers in his life and in his nature. There's no more laying down of our lives that we do. It's the living out of his life through us that he does. <laughs> and so that's what we get to do in his life. It's not about us, so to speak. It's about us and him being joined together in this spirit union, as, as uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, with him. That's the life that we're living now. No longer us laying our lives down, but knowing that we've already died and we've already been risen again with Christ. He has made us alive together with Christ. That's one thing that Paul wrote. And so that's the life that we live. God doing his works in and through us, not us doing our works for him. Yeah, I, I can't lay my life down. I can't dedicate or rededicate my life to him when I don't have a life. You ever hear somebody say, get a life? Well, I lost my life. I, I died, as Joel was just talking about. You, you as a, a believer in Christ, you, you died. Your life is, is not your own anymore. It's, it's not your life. You can't even give that to him because he killed you at the cross. And we died to the law as well while we were on that cross in, in the body of Christ. The way Paul put it, we were placed in the body of Christ on the cross and we were killed there. In Colossians, Joel, chapter 2, I'm going to skip through some of the verses here because I want to get to the point, but Paul said, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. And then he skips down and says, If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you sub subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. All of these things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, 
and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I know there are people out there during the Lent season who are, uh, and I'm not here to criticize or condemn anybody, or I'm not here to do that. I'm just saying that there are people who will give up things, you know, and uh, it's okay to do that. It's just that a lot of people are doing it for the wrong reasons. That stuff does no good. In fact, it will probably do the opposite, have the opposite effect if, if you're trying to somehow give up something or, or you know, suffer for some reason to, uh, to try to show God how much you appreciated that, that Jesus suffered. I mean, that, that, that all sounds religious. It's just that it, we've been delivered from all that stuff, thanks to what Jesus did at the cross. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything sticks out to me in this whole program, and, and so many, I think I think we hit on some really good things that really encouraged me. That last scripture that you uh, read just kind of highlights what we were talking about, that so many of these things sound good, but that passage says they are of no value. <laughs> They're of no value <laughs> against the indulgence of the flesh. And so we turn, again, our attention and our, our focus to the very life of Christ who indwells us. And that's where we find the key to the living, to the daily living out of our lives in Christ. It's not about us. But it's about his life that's joined together with ours. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.